Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Um, go ahead. Hey, let's do this. Go ahead and go to your Bibles, Romans chapter 3. That's where we're going to head tonight. And as we heard in the video, we're going to be talking about this power struggle that happens. So if you walk back with me for, you thought I was going to trip. He, you thought I was going to trip, didn't you? You saw that string? There's a lot of chords up here. Look, if you walk back with me, let's go back to the beginning. On Sunday night, we talked about how there's more than a line. The, the Lord has written eternity into our hearts, and he made us for something greater. Right? And then last night, we talked about how sin and destruction entered the world and how guilt and shame entered our hearts. And if you remember, we talked about ways in which we try to cover up that guilt and shame. And we try to project versions of ourselves that are not really real to hide what's happening inside. And so what that does is that leads us to this thing called a power struggle. Who's, who's in charge? Who's in charge of this thing called life? Who's in charge of me? Before we go to the Word of God, where do we go? God of the Word. Before we go to the Word of God, we're going to go to the God of the Word. Let's pray. We're going to dive in tonight and talk about this thing called the power struggle. Father, you are good. God, your Word says you are love. You are light. You are life. You are our resurrection. You are our hope. You are our future. God, all the things we crave and desire, you are. But God, there's a war that happens in our hearts, happens in our life. And we all recognize this struggle. And so, Father, tonight as we read your word, God, I pray that you would show us the condition of our heart. And God, even greater than that, you show us your goodness and grace. Lord, teach us tonight. Make the things that are hard for us to know simple and easy. Got to open our hearts to faith in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You in Romans chapter 3? Come on, wake up. We got air conditioning tonight. Y'all should be... Are you in Romans chapter 3? All right, you ready? We're going to pick it up. We're going to pick it up in verse 19. Paul continues his argument in Romans 3, 19, and he says this. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. There's a lot of big stuff in there. We're going to talk about kind of some of those words in a bit. Here's the first thing that happens in a power struggle. We try to... We try to figure out how we can control life. 
How are we going to control this thing? So we've been talking about Adam and Eve and how the world spun out of control at the fall, how they partook of the tree, guilt, shame entered the world. And then the story goes in the Old Testament, it continues for a lot of the Old Testament, in which they go through this cycle. Mankind goes through this cycle. God sees their sin and their destruction. Murder fills the earth. A flood happens. Slavery, death, destruction. And so God presents to them a law a rule in which to live by, a standard. And if you have a copy of God's word, you can find that all throughout the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy. As God lays out rules and ways in which we are supposed to live, some of those are known as the Ten Commandments. So you know some of those. And so what happens is we got this problem this sin problem, this guilt and this shame. And we also have this law and this way in which we're supposed to live. And so the real temptation is to figure out, hey, maybe the way to fix my problem is to do more religious things. We call it religious control. To do more religious things. And here's what happens. We begin to measure and judge our life by the things we don't do. You ever been there? Well, I don't do this, or I'm not like her. I don't do those things. I don't, I don't talk to my parents the way that kid does. I don't play those video games because I'm better than him. I stick to teen-rated Fortnite. That's what I play. You know, and we begin to measure. I'm not as bad. And, it, and the, standard, if, the standard just keeps going. I'm not as bad as what's taking place in war-torn South Sudan things we talked about last night. And so we measure and we say, you know what, I, 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 the way I can gain control is living rightly. Let me introduce you to somebody. Pull up this picture. This is my man right here. Oh, he's so sweet. He's so cute. Puppy. That's our dog. That's our family dog. I'll give somebody one guess at his name. I'll buy you a milkshake if you get it right. One guess. One guess. My man right here. Zeus, that's a good guess. Now you're way off. All right, that was it. That was one guess. His, his name is Oreo, you, but you can't see his, his white belly in there. That's Oreo. All right, let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me put it to you like this. Oreo is chilling at the house. If we make our standard about the things that we, are, we don't do, my dog is better than all of us. Right? I mean, Oreo doesn't drink. I mean, he drinks water in the bowl, sometimes out the toilet, but he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't drink. And, and, and Oreo doesn't cuss, I don't think. I, don't, I mean, I can't distinguish bark. Well, I mean, he, I mean, he doesn't let words fly. He, he's he's kind of, he's actually kind of a quiet dog. He, he, he's, he's really obedient. Like, if I tell him to sit, you know what he does? He, he sits. He sits. I say, Oreo, Sit. And he sits in his little tail, just, and he just looks at me like, what am I going to get for sitting? He obeys every time. He doesn't go chase the ladies. I mean, he stays in the house. My dog is better than all of you. I'm just saying. I don't, I, but I think what we know deep down, if, if, we follow this, if we follow this to its conclusion, man, it's, it's got to be more than just obeying rules. Look, one thing I want you to know as we leave this week, and I want to say this right here in the middle of the week. My goal and the goal of this time is not, not that you walk away and you're a better person. 
All right, I need you to hear me that. We don't, we don't hear me say that. I want you to leave camp on Friday and get home and say, I'm a better person. I'm not going to cuss anymore. I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm a better person. No matter if that kill happens on Fortnite that shouldn't have happened, I'm just going to keep that word in. I have changed. That's not the goal of this. You see, what that is is religious control. And what Paul says here is this law came into the world not so that you could just say, I'm better, but the law came into the world to show you that you're not okay. You're broken. And all of us, all of us, man, we can't, we can't control it with religion. How about this? I got this, uh, this thing called a, at our house called a knockout rose bush. Yeah, although that's not ours. That would be awesome if that was ours. I'm just, are any of y'all good with plants? Like, anybody? All right, three of you. Everything I touch dies. Plants. I mean, we have four kids. They're alive. But the, the plants that I plant die. Our knockout rose bush looks like this. Next slide. Boom. All right, let me, let me just say, a couple of things happen before you get into how awful of a, I need to take care of it. Yeah, well, a couple of things happen, and I just, first thing that happened was the deer ate it. I mean, I, I just, the deer ate it. My wife is in there looking up things that you can do to keep deer from eat it, eating the bush. She told my son to go pee on it one night, because evidently the deer wouldn't eat it anymore. I'm sorry, that may be too much information. So, then the second thing that happened is a trailer got backed over it. I, because the dummy who was driving the truck didn't know that the bush was there and he ran over. So, no, it wasn't me. <laughs> so, what if my wife said, Jeremy, and she's, she's the lovely lady you've seen me with all week. I've been holding her hand. That's my wife because she's the only lady I hold hands with. She's back there. And so... She says, Jeremy, you know what? I really want our rose bushes to look like the first slide. I want you to take care of our rose bushes and make them look like the first slide. I want, I want beautiful pink blossoms. I want to cut them, make bouquets, put them in the house. And I say, okay, I got a couple options. One, I can, I can really learn about how to bring life to rose bushes, fertilize. I can, I can do that. Or what I could do... I could go buy a bunch of these. These are fake roses. And what, yeah, here you go. Oh, this is, all right, yeah. No, no, this is not The Bachelor or anything like that. This is, <laughs> this is, this is what this is. All right, and what if I went up to the rose bush? I don't have one. What if I went up to this dead rose bush and I just started, I twisty tied them on there like that. And I spent an hour out there with fake roses. And I twisty tied them to that dead rose bush. And then when I got done, I mean, I spent, I'm sweating, I'm working. And I, I, I arranged them like I'm in the middle of Fresh Market in the bouquet section. And our rose bush, when I get done, looks something like that and I go inside and I say babe babe listen 
I have the prettiest pink blossoms. We have the prettiest rose bushes in all the blocks. These, these, I mean, you are going to be so proud. And she walks out and she sees this. Let me ask you a question. Is my rose bush alive? <laughs> no. Brother, if you think that's alive, we got to have a talk. No, it's not alive. I can go out there and I can circle, I can staple, I can twisty tie, I can use hot glue if I wanted to. And I can put as many of these fake wooden roses, yes, they're wooden, I know that's weird. I can put as many of these fake wooden roses on there as I wanted to all day long. But the rose bush is still, it's still dead. <laughs> I like your spirit though. It's still dead. So, Here's the thing. Here's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying that it's like this. This is how we do life. This is what life looks like under religious control. Where I say I'm broken. I feel guilt. I feel shame. And what I need to do is I need to do more things to make me feel better. If maybe I would just go on uh, like over other side of the world and feed people who are hungry, don't have food, or maybe I'll buy Toms and give shoes to the other side of the world, or maybe what I'll do is I'll go volunteer at the local homeless shelter, or maybe I just feel guilty, so I'll try to read my Bible more. I'll try to pray more. I'll do more, more, more. It's just putting roses on a dead rose bush. You see, we've already been there. The whole Old Testament is there. It's a bunch of law. And Paul says here that we can't uphold this law. But what it does is, is it holds the whole world accountable to God. What's got to happen is our hearts got to change. Let me tell you a sad story. It's not too sad. I have a truck. I have a truck. I know the, the men over here are like, yes, I, all stories that start with, I have a truck. I own a 19, 19, 97, it's 21 years old, Toyota Tacoma. Yeah. I've driven this truck. I've driven this truck for, I mean, a long time. And it was at 298,000 miles. And it started showing some signs of things not going well. Some funny noises, the heat didn't work, which is always a bad sign. Any of you knows anything about vehicles. And what if I said, you know what? What I need to do is I need to wash it. I need to shine the rims, scrub the tires, get them shiny, clean the bed. Because how many of you drive a truck? You know the bed's never clean. If I would just go clean out the bed, maybe then it would be better. Let me show you what happened to my truck. This is a picture, just so you can mourn with me, gentlemen. That's my truck. That is, that is the lifeblood of my truck running out from underneath it. Yeah, it died. Because what you learn real quick when you drive is washing your car may make it look pretty, but it's not going to fix it if it's dying. It's not. What happens is Paul says, we've got a problem. 
He lists it all out in Romans 3 that no one is righteous, not one. We're all broken. We're all sinners. We're falling. Guilt and shame has entered the world. And what we're doing, what we're doing if we're not careful, is that we're either stapling roses and trying to fill it with good things, or we're trying to shine things up just so we look better. And all the while, what we're ignoring is the fact that our hearts are broken. That we got a serious problem, a serious problem that can only be fixed by Jesus. We're going to get there. You know, one scripture in James chapter 2, verse 10, it's probably a couple slides back if you can pull it up. It says this, for whoever keeps the whole law, yeah, there you go. Not that slide, but you'll find it. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of it all. Whoever keeps the whole law. I mean, what, what the author of James is saying is this. Even if you were able to do everything, everything that the Bible said, but you miss one point, you're guilty of it all. You see, because the law was given to us to show us that we're broken. The law was given to us to show us that we got a problem. And so what we do, because we realize we have a problem, is we try to control it. And we try to compare ourselves to other people. We say, yeah, I know I fall short here, but this person falls short there. And it feels like life is just some big reality TV show where we're trying to get other people kicked off so we look better. Or we're trying to shine up the outside so everyone looks worse than us. Or we're trying to do good things so everyone doesn't look as good as us. And it's this control. But listen to me. Religion, rules, it'll never change your heart. It'll never change what's taking place in your heart. You see what Jesus says when asked, what's the greatest rule? What's the greatest law? When they come up to him and, and they say, Jesus, we, we kind of know all the law, but tell us the greatest law. Jesus responds to them in the book of Matthew. And here's what he says to them. I think it's going to be up there. He says this, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and the foremost commandment. And the second is like it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. You see, Jesus says, let's, let's forget all the rules. Let's forget even the ten. Let's just start with two, the two top rules. First, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. I mean, I think... It's not a game of musical lights, but I think if we're honest, if we, if we really inspected our heart, we'd all say we fall short of that law. That there are days, there have been moments in our life where we love ourselves more than anything else, especially more than we love God. That we seek to please ourselves more than we seek to please God. And then Maybe you're perfect in that one. Maybe, maybe you've always loved God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He says the second is like it. 
that you'd love your neighbor as yourself, that you'd love other people in the same way that you would like to be loved. Now, how many of you have siblings? You all failed the second law, all of you. I'm serious. I have a sister. There's nothing more refining to the soul than to have a sibling. But what it shows you, it exposes things in your heart. And what it exposes is that you care about yourself more than you do other people. There may be moments where you care about your sibling. There may be moments where you give them the best ice cream out of the thing when there's only a little bit of ice cream left in the thing. There may be those moments, but there are also those moments where you go in and you hide stuff from them to keep it for yourself. <laughs> right. So, look, we, y'all, I mean, y'all know, you, if you grew up with siblings, you know, you go in the kitchen and you just open up something and just crunkle it. They come running. Like, they come flying in. And, look, Here's the, here's the deal. Here's the deal. What Jesus says is this. What he says is, these are the two greatest commandments. If you want to say you're okay, you're perfect, your heart is alive and beating and you're all right with God, here's the two standards. Love him with all your heart and love the world as yourself. We all fall short. And so what's the point? Like, what's the point of the law and the rules? And what Paul says is that the whole world may be held accountable and that every mouth may be closed. And here's what he's saying. Pull up this picture of this person standing before the bench. I was, uh, I was driving too fast one day. That's how all good stories begin. In my red truck. And the blue lights came, and I got a ticket. Hmm. And it said, you must appear in court at such and such date at 8 a.m. I'm like, why do I need to be in court at 8 a.m.? 8 a.m., okay. So in my mind, I had two months to rehearse everything I was going to say to the judge about how my truck is 20 years old and the speedometer doesn't work very well and how I didn't realize the speed limit, and how this is my first ticket, and I should get off because it was my first ticket, and how I would buy him a pack of gummy bears if he'd do that. I mean, everything went through my mind. And so I stroll into court, and the moment that they say, Jeremy Minor, come to the bench, I step up to the line, and it's just me and this judge. And he says this, you were going, no, no, you know, 45, and how do you plead, guilty or not guilty? Let me tell you something. I don't know if any of you have ever been in this situation. Everything I thought I was going to say went out the window. It's just me and him. I didn't even really know what to say. Guilty sounded very final. It sounded like I was, I, I was really bad. So all I said, as I looked to the ground, I said, responsible. <laughs> I said, responsible. And I just, I just stepped one foot forward and I just looked at him and I couldn't think of any argument because I was guilty. 
I spit. What Paul says is this, is this, <laughs> is this moment. That the law has been given, the rules, the religious rules, all of that, what they do is they show you that you're guilty. And then one day you're going to stand before God and in light of his goodness and his grace and his glory, your mouth will be shut because you have nothing to say. Paul says, I was the greatest of greatest of all religion. I was the smartest. I knew the law. I knew how to teach the Bible. I knew how to talk. I knew everything. I did good things. I fed the poor. I loved people. I did all these things. All of these things I count as rubbish in light of knowing Jesus Christ. That's what he says. We can walk up to the king of all kings with our accusations. We talked about these last night and say, well, you're not, you're not great. You're not glorious, God. You're not, you're not good. You're not gracious. We can. We can think we're going to say these things, but the reality is our mouth will be stopped because in light of him, we'll realize our guilt. We're broken. We're full of guilt and shame. And religion and rules and laws are not going to save us. What is going to save us. He goes on to say this, and we'll close out with this. He says, but now, a lot of people refer to that as to the greatest but now in all of scripture. But now, one of the things I'm going to ask you tomorrow night is, does your life have a but now? All of that was in my past, but now, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested. That's the goodness, the right goodness of God has been given to us apart from the law. Forget the law. Toss out the law, the clean, throw it out. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the goodness and the righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we are justified by his grace as a gift through this redemption that is in Christ Jesus, who God put forward as a propitiation for our sins. We're going to do this last thing. Do I have a baseball player in the room? Preferably a pitcher, a big pitcher. I see some, some big dudes. All right, you the man, come up here. Yeah, you look like a pitcher. All right, I'm going to need a, I'm going to need a catcher. All right, yeah, you, you right there, but you're and All right, so you pitch. What grade you in? Ninth grade, what's your name? Ryan. All right, that's good, right there, right there, right there. My, our baseball is really small, it's this big. All right, this is gonna be a catcher, what's your name? Jacob. All right, Ryan, how fast can you throw? Not this ball. All right, 75. All right, be a catcher, just throw him that ball. Yeah, you can do it, I believe in you. Oh, he's a good catcher. Strike, perfect. All right, Jacob, go sit down for a minute. You see, when we set the rules, when we set the the game, and we say, all right, throw it to there, you can do it. Hit the back wall. Hit the back wall. Oh, that was, that was a good, that was at least a 32 mile an hour paper ball. Give it up for Ryan. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm sure maybe there's some guys in here that can throw it faster than Ryan, but we tried to pick the, the, one of the best pitchers in the room. You know what he did? He fell, he fell short. You see, what the Bible says is this. We all, all of us in this room, all of this room, we fall short of the goodness and the glory of God. We cannot meet it. No matter how hard we try, no matter what good things we do, we can't reach it. But the goodness of God and the grace of God is that he gave Jesus Christ as a gift. And that by faith in Jesus, not in ourselves, not in our goodness, not in our works, not in the law, by faith in Jesus that we can have life. You see, one of the questions that you have to ask yourself is, do you know Jesus? Because he's the only way to bring life to your heart of death. He's the only way that's going to bring hope to your darkness. Look, we're going to close it out tonight. Tomorrow night, we're going to talk a lot about what Jesus has done for us. Here's what I want you to do. Some of you, maybe you don't realize this, but you got some leaders in your cabins, running your wrecks, doing your things, and they have come to a place in their life where they have a but now. Where they say, I used to, I was, but now by faith in Jesus Christ, I have life, I believe. They've all come to that point. And maybe you have questions. You have questions about what it means to have faith in Jesus, what it means to believe. Look, don't hesitate to ask, to have a conversation with one of those leaders and say, man, tell me about how you came to believe in Jesus. Tell me about what it means to have life in Jesus. That's why they're here. They want to have fun with you. They, they love slip and slide kickball. They love doing those things, but they're here because they want to see you brought from life to life, from your former life, but now to faith in Jesus Christ. Spend time, talk about what it means to have faith in Jesus. And we'll talk about Jesus Christ tomorrow night. Father, thank you for your word. God, there's hope that we don't, we don't just have to keep working and keep working and keep doing. But that even when we fall short, that your grace is a gift and his name is Jesus that you put him forward for our sins, for our guilt and our shame, and he took it all. God, I pray for anyone in this room tonight that is thinking, man, I need life. I need a but now in my life where the old me is gone and there's new in Jesus. God, I pray that they would have the bravery, the courage to talk with someone and they would have the faith to follow you with their life. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.